When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I'm Dennis Duran, and this is the Softest Steel Podcast. My guest today is Matt Graves. Matt has been in the construction industry since his graduation from Texas A&M University in 2010. Matt is a millennial. We'll have a lot to talk about just on that one point. As he would say and does on LinkedIn, a construction project manager by trade and has a vision of helping as many developing construction professionals as he can accelerate their career. One way he does this is through his weekly email, the Construction Yeti newsletter. This weekly newsletter explores different topics each week with active feedback and ideas coming from Matt's readers. I met Matt very recently. My only regret is that I didn't meet him sooner to have him be part of the conversations and research I conducted while writing my book, Soft as Steel. Matt, thanks for being here. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me. So why do you think I invited you to this podcast? Well, based on the introduction, I guess it's because I'm a millennial and you wanted a young guy to chat with. <laughs> that's, that's a good first answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why else do you think I might have? Uh, again, you've looked at uh, my brief summary of what this podcast all is about. You've glanced over some of my other material. So uh, the millennial thing is absolutely important. It's vital that I have this conversation. But why else? Probably because you've gone through my LinkedIn stuff I've been posting recently and my newsletter I've been sending out. And I've recently you know, been doing a lot of introspective with the leadership program I've been going through and trying to figure out who I am, what I'm about, and it's kind of been showing through in my content I've been putting out. And I've just kind of realized that, I guess, construction, you really get things done in construction with soft skills more than anything. The hard skills, or the technical skills are easy to teach. It's the soft skills that, you know, that's where you make your money. Well, Matt, thanks for being on the show. And that, I think that pretty well wraps it up right there. Perfect. I'll see you later. <laughs> thanks a lot. No, it's, uh, and, and, you, and you nailed it. And I, again, I didn't mean to bait you with the question, but uh, you know my, my take on soft skills from any reading you've done. Mm-hmm. And again, the, one of the things that shines through and how uh, you even discuss your background and the things that you're interested in doing is this, this whole idea, that, as you've just said, how soft skills are so important. And the millennials, let's get right into that part of this. And I didn't, again, I didn't mean to be anything other than interested. <laughs> millennials are now on the, on the higher end age-wise are 40 years old. Right. So uh, you have 10 years of experience in the industry, so you obviously fit in that category. But if you think about someone in their mid to late 30s, these folks are, are, have moved into more significant roles in middle management, in some cases upper management. And in some other cases, uh, they've begun their career somewhere, spent 10, 15, or 20 years, and decided to uh, perhaps as a contractor go out on their own mm-hmm. and uh, start their own business. So the millennial generation is hugely important uh, to the transition that continues to be taking place between the millennial generation primarily and the baby boomers, of which I am a, a proud member. So again, millennials are, are, are hugely important. 
Uh, and I think that, uh, again, the way you express your, your views and your feelings uh, through some of the writing you've done, your newsletter, uh, the way you respond to people's comments, et cetera, you know, suggests to me that, that you get that part. So if you think, if you think the, the, the millennial is important, obviously you probably do since you are one, what, if you were to, the first thought in terms of just some ideas to convey to millennials to help them uh, become comfortable but also then also confident in their broader abilities, meaning not just being able to put together a plan or a schedule or, or, or approve or disapprove a change order, but deal with all the people that they come in contact with on a construction site. What are the first thoughts you would share with them about your experience and what their experience probably is and why it's so important to notice what's going on around them? Uh, that's, a, you know, that's a good question. It's not something I really thought about much, especially, you know, I've kind of, you kind of touched on the introduction there, but I've kind of been, a lot of stuff I've been thinking about is kind of how to give back to kind of the, maybe the Gen Zs and the younger generations. But then I've seen a lot of the comments on the stuff I've been posting on LinkedIn and stuff. Where I'm targeting towards Gen Zs, but I get a lot of feedback that it's, man, this applies to everybody. I wish I learned this sooner. I, you know, it's guys that are 20 years of experience or, you know, whatever my, you know, 10 years experience that are saying some, something I just recently realized. So I think kind of, you know, a lot of, millennials are sort of, you know, millennials kind of have a derogatory term. You kind of hear it in the media, like, oh, the millennials, all oh, the millennials. But, you know, it's not the kids anymore, exactly. It's, you know, 30, 40 years old. But I think we all have a lot of experiences that we can share with kind of the next generation. We've got a lot of, a lot of life experiences, work experiences that we continue to give back. And then it'll kind of help bring up the next generation of people. That's good. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. You also come across as a construction project manager. You're precise. Again, uh, I haven't been in, in the field uh, or directly working on construction projects for a long time, so I, that's one of the reasons why I may meander and say more things that are than are necessary. But it also is, is me illustrating, and again, you do a good job of it both verbally and in, in writing with your newsletter, of highlighting the absolutely critical importance of what I call the ultimate core competency which is communication and being able to express yourself and do it in a way that's, that's, uh, that's clear and also do it in a way that recognizes that sometimes the most important thing you could be doing as a construction manager in a leadership role, which you play, is to be a very good listener. Mm-hmm. What would you say, just looking at, at your career, you know, you've, been in, you've been in the industry for 10 years, you've moved through three organizations, uh, spending about a, roughly an equal time at each of those. And I don't know if there's a, that's just coincidental or if there was some grand plan that you have there, but you're with a good firm. Let me put it this way. If someone were to ask you what the three, two or three most important soft skills, or again, and again, the definition being qualities, attributes, traits of the person, what would you say are the three most important soft skills that have helped you grow through the, the first 10 years of your journey? Probably the first one, I'd say, is probably curiosity. Um, that's kind of the theme of my newsletter I've been putting out. But it's also, I've kind of looked back on it and just being generally curious in the industry and being curious in people. My wife kind of laughs at like I can go and have a conversation with anybody. I can just, no matter who you are, what you're about or whatever, I can just kind of start a conversation with you. And sometimes it's a, it's kind of bad because I'll spend way too much time just chatting with somebody because I'm really interested in you know who they are and what they're about and what I can learn from them. But also... Mm-hmm. Especially, like you said, I've 
I've been with three different organizations now, and I've done a lot of federal contracting, and I worked for a mechanical contractor, and now I'm working for an owner's representative contractor. And, you know, every industry and every contractor and every agency you work for has different acronyms and different names for this, that, and the other. And, and so, you know, I'd sit in meetings, and they'd say something. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck that means, but I'd write it down, and I'd go Google it all. I'm constantly on Google, so I think it's being able to kind of figure things out and just being curious about it and wanting to learn has probably probably helped me grow the fastest. That's one. You wanted two. Uh, <laughs> two, or th- two or three, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So curiosity, I think humor probably. I always like to joke around about stuff. I think it helps, helps ease tensions, breaks the ice in a difficult situation, kind of makes it relatable, kind of helps everybody have fun. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I think humor, curiosity, and then just generally caring about people, empathy and caring about people. You know, people are the construction industry. You hear all this stuff about technology and tools and gadgets and robots and all these sort of things, but, you know, labor's the number one variable in construction. You know, estimators, that's where they make or break it. It's kind of, they can predict the labor aspects of stuff and what's labor, it's, it's the people. And so generally caring about the people, I think those are, you know, humor, curiosity, and empathy and caring is probably the top three. Those are three darn good ones. Three darn Thanks. good ones. Good for you. This might be hard for you to answer this. I'm going to put the question from a, the same kind of question from a different vantage point. If I were to ask somebody that knows you well over a period of time, how they would describe you if you could, if you could, <laughs> be, if you could be objective, how do you think someone that knows you pretty well would describe you? What kind of words would they use to describe you? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think they do think I'm caring, that, you know, I, I'd almost do more for other people than I do for myself. And, like, for instance, like if your fence blew down, I would spend a weekend coming over and helping you build your fence back up, but my fence will be falling down and I don't want to work on my own fence. I'd rather come help you with yours. Mm-hmm. Kind of it's a blessing and a curse, but it's a tough question. I play devil's advocate a lot, and so I think that gets under people's skin. I know it does my wife because you know she'll be explaining something to me. I start asking a bunch of questions, and really it's just me wanting to understand better. So I ask questions mm-hmm. to understand, and maybe I'm not always the most tactful with it all the time, but I kind of play devil's advocate just to try to get better understanding and really kind of question my own beliefs and trying to constantly trying to figure out who I am and what, you know, I really believe in. Mm -hmm. Good. Another question. If you haven't figured this out, these questions are not coming off a script. Uh, (laughs) And I I promised you this was going to be just a conversation, which which I want it to be. So a couple of bookend questions. You came in industry about 10 years ago. What things about the industry are the same or relatively the same today as they were when you first came into the industry? Hmm. What are the same? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's getting more of it, but I think there's more and more like leaders on the construction site. You know, when I mean by a leader, I mean like people that actually have like good soft skills or actually really trying to care about the people. I remember, you know, it seems to get fewer and fewer. I guess maybe it's same, but it's also changing is, um, you know, there used to be the old school superintendent that was just out there screaming and yelling at subs and, you know, whoever barked the loudest, you know, was the, the big dog on site. But there's always been the, been the contractors that have really, you know, kind of taken the subs as kind of more of a trade partner 
and really looked at him as a partner. And those guys have been the most successful. And I think, I mean, that's been around for the last 10 years. It, you know, probably, I don't know, you probably know better than me, but I think that probably really started off 20, 30 years ago when kind of this emotional intelligence thing started taking off and leadership development started taking off. So I think that's probably one that's been around for a while and it's only getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you hear people talking using the terminology and the ideas around emotional intelligence? Is it channeled into into training? Is it channeled into uh, even toolbox talks where they're starting to talk about you know that aspect of who you are as a person? Is that is you, are you seeing and hearing it more? You see it more in probably like leadership training type things, which I think companies are probably investing more in their people in these leadership trainings. I wouldn't say it's happening as much on the like on the job side as a toolbox training or anything mm-hmm. like that, or toolbox talk or anything like that. I do think it is it is picking up steam, definitely. And where is it coming from as far as is putting energy into recognition of what it is and why it's important? I think it's the organizations. It's kind of a top-down thing. And it may be, you talked, you know, a minute ago we talked about millennials, and it may be a, a millennial mindset that, you know, it's kind of how we were raised and how we think. And so as we were getting into more, you know, the mid-management leadership, you know, president, CEOs, owners of companies, um, I think there may be a, you know, shift occurring just as the generation shifts. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you're, you're suggesting, which actually makes some good sense, you just say it, you're suggesting that it's, it's possible that this recognition and more conversation, more training, et cetera, under the banner of leadership is related to things like emotional intelligence, which is all about soft skills. I think so. You know, the leadership training I'm going with through our company right now, we're just, just about to wrap it all up. You know, I've been through a couple similar programs, but uh, Rick Miller, the gentleman who's putting this on, he, he he's a retired Navy guy, and he came out and realized that there was, this is, I don't know exactly his biography, but, you know, mid-90s, late 90s, something like that, and he came out into the business world and realized there's no leadership in the business world. And so he started a, a company, which he basically goes and trains, you know, managers in companies to become leaders. And so I think, you know, the emotional intelligence and leadership and soft skills all definitely ties together. Mm-hmm. What's the first takeaway you think about in reflecting on what you've learned from him? What's the first takeaway that comes to mind? You know, we did a lot of, we did some um, personality assessments. Mm-hmm. And I think really it's just kind of understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't really be a leader and, you know, even understanding the soft skills that you're good at or what your strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, until you understand yourself, you, you really can't do anything else. That mm-hmm. seem like. What assessment or testing tool did he use in that in your training? Uh, we did Myers-Briggs. The Myers-Briggs? Okay, yeah. And obviously, I, I could quickly, the way you describe the importance of having that information so that you can you know, take a step back and look, look into a mirror without the mirror being clouded by, by things that make it difficult for it to be uh, relied upon. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, I would totally support the notion that that's, and, and I'm pleased actually that was your first thought about a takeaway because uh, the way I express it, I, I say if you don't have good awareness of yourself uh, in an honest and complete way, uh, it's in, it's just almost impossible to be able to have any ability to notice things about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
What do you think is, uh, again, this is top of mind, what do you think is the, is, causes the most problems in our industry on a construction site just in general? What do you think is the thing that caused the most problems? Hmm. I think it's probably kind of just personality issues, people not getting along. Again, you know, people and labor, and that's the number one kind of asset for any company. And you look at any construction site, and there's sort of a kind of opinion, it's us versus them. Doesn't matter, you know, there can be. The good general contractors, good subcontractors have kind of got over that. But historically speaking, and you still see it all the time, is, you know, everyone's kind of looking out for themselves. And so you've got different personalities on the job site kind of looking after their own self. And I actually had a realization, it's kind of a shower thought I had the other day that, you know, we always want to be championship sports teams or something like that. Everyone compares their organization to a sports team and championship and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, man, construction site, you know, it's, it's not a sport. It's more of like an escape room. It's like, we're all in this together. We're all going to get out. We can either get out victorious together or we can all fail together. But it's like an escape room. You know, escape room is right where you all get locked in a room. And you got a, mm-hmm. a puzzle to figure out and a riddle and kind of rely on everybody's strengths to get through it. And it's kind of what a construction job is like, construction job site's like, is that, you know, no one sub or one contractor is going to be victorious and the rest fail. It's not a, you know, it's not a zero sum game. Yeah, agree. So not understanding one another. So a lack of understanding of one, which again revolves around knowing your personality and how it, how it works with others. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So you're doing very well in these questions, by the way. You know? <laughs> yeah. And if you keep it up, then we just this interview may go on forever. But uh, <laughs> we'll have to make it a multi-part series. It could be multi-part. In fact, a good friend of mine has a podcast, and he has just had for the second time uh, on his podcast, uh, roughly two years later, he's had the owner of a baseball team in Savannah that has become nationally known. It's called the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, they're and, awesome. Uh, yeah, they are awesome. And the owner's an incredible guy. He he was on a a summit virtual summit that I produced back in February this year, this, this current year. And it was interesting to hear them talk again and pick up the conversation from the last interview and then add two years to see where things are now. It's, and it's pretty incredible. Pretty cool. But the formula is, uh, the formula is always the same. And it's, I think this is true uh, in construction as well as every place else. Everything at the end of the day boils down to, and I'm curious if this makes sense to you, you know, we're, we're all really in, in the people business, mm-hmm. whether we're an owner's rep, the GC, any one of the sub-trades, architect, engineer, doctor, lawyer, uh, you know, lab technician, you know, we're, we're all in the people business. Everything that we do in a business enterprise, again, regardless of industry, involves people. There's no getting around it. And as you correctly point out, if lack of understanding is, uh, is a big problem, then one would think that folks would focus on trying to understand why and then trying to uh, improve the understanding for the interest of what then is the, is the foundation of, of business and life, and that is relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Does that all make sense to you? Oh, it does. I mean, that's something, you know, I'm working for an owner's rep firm right now. And so, you know, we work straight for the owner and we don't, it's something too, it kind of took me a, a year or two of working with them to kind of maybe get, is that, you know, our people are really our only asset as a company. We don't have any equipment. 
We're not swinging hammers. We don't have any tools. We're not buying material. It's we sell our people. And we sell our leadership, and then it's a it's a tough job to do as well because you don't have any contractual. What we're looking for any contractual leverage, maybe on the contractor, or the design team, or like that. You're trying to help everybody get to the same goal of a successful project, but they don't work for you. They work for the owner. You work for the owner, and so it's all about you know having those relationships to get the job done and to kind of help get everybody and solve the problems with you know you don't have the you can't flex the contract right <laughs> and say so you work for me you're going to get it done so it's it's all about soft skills and you know bringing the team together to to ultimately get to the same spot yeah yeah well you're really on, on a on a day-to-day basis you really are the the eyes and ears of the owner mm-hmm. so you, you you connect the owner to the to the details and the specific situations that are taking place every day, the progress, problems, issues, et cetera. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah. Yeah, no, we are. Um, you know, yeah. some owners are more involved and some are less involved based on, you know, whatever they have going on in their own skill sets. But yeah, you, I mean, you're the, you are their, their yeah. arm to get it done. And your newsletters, which you've been doing weekly for a fair amount of time now, can't remember the exact breakout, but you you have a, one one element is amusing, uh, and then you have I think four other categories that you have a, a little article or thoughts about. What are you getting from your readers around problems, problems that they're encountering, problems that they think exist, problems that they wish would go away? Just uh, just in, in in terms of where they are and in, uh, in relation to you know, their, their role in construction and other things. What, what are the big things that, that come up in those dialogues? A big one, one I wrote about, and I've, it's kind of what I shared kind of as the genesis of the newsletter. And then I had a couple of people kind of mention it whenever I asked for kind of inspiration for future episodes was imposter syndrome. I think we all sort of have imposter syndrome in one way or another. And really, unless you're, if you're not growing, let me rephrase that. If you're growing, you should have imposter syndrome because you're always kind of stepping beyond your boundaries into something you haven't done or haven't, you know, maybe not qualified for. Because if you've never done it before, how can you really be qualified to do it? But then to grow, you got to keep pushing forward. So, and then kind of starting the newsletter for myself was a little bit of imposter syndrome. You know, I'm a guy, I'm 35 years old, and, you know, I've got a fair amount of years of experience, but why does anybody want to listen to what I have to say? You know, why, you know, what do I have to share? But I've found that, you know, just when you kind of you're vulnerable and open and honest and kind of share your feelings and thoughts that people do care about what you have to say. And then it kind of starts those dialogues with other people. And it's been mm-hmm. funny because like every newsletter, I'm like, leave a comment. I want to start a conversation. I want to start all that. And I get more like direct messages and emails from people. And I have like a lot of side conversations, which I've really appreciated. I've kind of built some some good relationships with people and some, you know, early friendships with some people just based on those side conversations. But I think a lot of people are maybe a little nervous to put their own stuff out there in the public. So that's all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, again, you know, one of the things that I would use a way I would describe what you're doing is you're being of service uh, to your peers and to the folks that uh, are coming right behind you in the industry in terms of, of the platform that you provide to share your thoughts and and allow other people to share theirs. You're building a little community of uh, folks that are interested in just the uh, some of the mo- more simple things, but also uh, profound things about what, what your experience is, how things feel to you. I'm comfortable saying to you that I think that uh, there, there's a flavor of 
of feelings in terms of how you express yourself in your newsletter and the exchanges you have with your readers, uh, which is one of the things that I picked up on when I just happened to get you. And, and again, as we, you remember, I just found you by virtue of it showing popping up as a potential match for me. And I clicked and I started looking at your profile and and the rest, as they say, uh, on the bigger stage is history. I, I liked what I saw. I liked the way you express yourself. And one of the things you, you use the term leadership, you know, leadership is, uh, is not simply a title or a position. It's, it's a way of uh, conducting oneself. And it's not just words, it's also actions. And this is the way I talk about it, the way I believe it. it uh, the only way you can operationalize it in any business uh, successfully, because if you, if, you, you do, if you say the right things and you do the right things and they're, they're, they're equivalent, that takes us into another area that I want to touch on a little bit, and that is the notion of someone being worthy of some other people's trust or trustworthy. Talk about what you think trustworthiness is and, and the role it plays in being able to be successful. You know, trustworthiness, it's just, I mean, it's about being honest with people. It's about being honest with yourself. It's about being honest with other people. You know, I, I see people that are afraid to make mistakes or afraid to say, I don't know. And, you know, something I've kind of realized maybe early on in my career has really helped me out is whenever you don't know something, don't make something up. Don't make up a lie because people are going to find out. And once they find out you're lying to them, you know, there goes all the trust in the world. Mm-hmm. Your trust, trustworthiness goes out the window. You know, if you don't know the answer, just say, I don't know. I'll get back to you. And then go figure it out and get back to them. And, you know, then when actually you come back with the answer, you know, because most people forget or maybe most people blow you off. And so... When you actually come back with the answer, whether it be a day or a week later, people are like, oh, wow, you know, he actually followed through with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big builder and is just be honest, especially whenever either one, you make a mistake, you know, hey, just say, hey, man, I messed up. Like, let me make it right. Or if you don't know the answer, don't, don't make it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple more questions and we're getting close to the end of our time. I think we could probably, we'd probably get revved up and keep on going for a while, <laughs> but uh so as you, look, as you look forward from where you are today, what's the industry look like to you in five years? Uh, my crystal ball is awful fuzzy. So I think it's going to be a lot more concentration on soft skills. Lean construction, something I've heard about for a while. It's something I thought was more of just making sure you didn't you know, waste material and trying to just streamline things. It's actually a whole community on LinkedIn of lean construction guys that I've kind of been following and chatting and I've learned a lot. And it's, it's more of, you know, it's more people than it is just about being wasteful of material, which I initially thought. And so I think there's going to be a lot more of that that seems to be taken on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about, you know, looking after the people and making sure people are good, both physically and mentally. Um, the construction industry has a bad rep of being, you know, just wants to suck the life out of you. You know, those guys have been doing it for 30, 40 years. And, you know, it, it's there's a change coming when it comes to that. I think it's, you know, around mental health. And um, there's a big push on that. I think it's becoming a lot more important. I think companies are, you know, well, I guess it's always been important. But companies are starting to figure that out and starting mm-hmm. to really invest in it. So I think there's going to be a lot more of that coming. Yeah. I'm so pleased that as we come to the end of our conversation that without a question, you brought up one of the things I think is so vitally important in our industry, and that is a recognition that mental health and the associated topics of addiction and suicide are hugely important in our industry as we lead the way in terms of 
of, of a lack of success in dealing with all three of those in the industry, I think it's hugely important. Uh, and again, I, I, I commend you for, for, for knowing that and saying it. That'd be the last good thing I remember from this short conversation, but it's the right thing to talk about and it needs to be talked about more. Yeah, I think, I mean, historically speaking, the construction industry was one of just kind of harden up and get on with it. And I think it's, that's changing and people are actually starting to care about the people and looking at the, looking at the people, you know, both on the job site and in the office as actual assets and, you know, they're people. And so people mm-hmm. are starting to really see it, see it as that and starting to, you know, like I said, invest back in that. Yeah, yeah. So we're at the end of our time. It just, it, I think it, I think it flew by. Did it fly by, or did I, did I, did I nap in the middle of the interview? I mean, I, 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 I do nap just, occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> we just got started. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I know. And maybe these interviews need to be longer. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I think you represented your generation very well. Thank you. You speak in a very a straightforward manner. Your vocabulary around soft skills is is very good. And I think that uh, I hadn't thought about it until you said it, but I think the millennials may be the ones that are that are the, the pivot point for looking more towards the whole person is a term I use when I try to uh, persuade folks around the notion of what else do you need to teach an apprentice in a trade besides simply how to use the tools and the techniques. You also need to teach them understand themselves and others. And if they do that, that you're helping to develop the whole person. And I think that your millennial generation may be helping us with that pivot point. And I hadn't thought about it before. So I thank you for that, that thought. Any last thoughts as we close? No, this is, uh, this is awesome. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm still trying to figure it all out as I go as well. So if we do this again in two weeks, I'd probably have some different takes on things. That's Just right. constantly evolving, right. constantly learning. Well, we'll surely do it again for sure. Yeah, I'd love and, to. and so Matt, tell folks where they can find you or connect with you. I post a lot on LinkedIn. You can look me up. My name is Matt Graves. I think it's Matt Graves, comma, PMP on LinkedIn. It's kind of my, my name on there. The newsletter uh, I send out every Friday morning. You can find it at constructionyeti.substack.com. And then every Friday morning, I send something out. It's usually try to be uh, thought-provoking, humorous. I have a meme every week. I've got a lot of heat on Reddit recently because I was putting a lot of GIFs and memes in there, and they said it was distracting. But I've got good feedback on it, so I try not to make it a a dry white paper that puts people to sleep. So mm-hmm. try to make it at least halfway humorous and fun but while also making it thought provoking and try to, and if you do subscribe, leave a comment. Let's get a conversation going on there. Yeah. Great, Matt. Thanks so much for being on my show. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran.
produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.